Hey, welcome everyone. Happy Easter. It is wonderful to see you all today. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm another one of the pastors here, and it's just a joy to be with you as we celebrate. And um, parents, we do have um, places for your youngest kids to be, so nursery and toddler age kids. We do, if, if you need if you need relief from this room, you can. there's places for your kids to go. And any kids who are older than preschool, thanks for hanging out with all of us. On these big days, Easter and Christmas, uh, I just need to confess, it's too important to me to be together with you guys for the whole service. I love having our whole church family together. And so, um, Thank you for listening through when Pastor Mike gets up and talks for a long time. Um, I, hope, I hope that it's okay for you. And parents, I hope that it's okay for you too. We love having the whole family together. Now, there's nothing I can say that will make this story any better. There's no, there's no emotion I can add to it. There's no tricks I can do up on stage that make the story any better than it is. So we're going to hear the story as it's told in the Gospel of Matthew, the first of the four Gospels. And we're actually going to start on Saturday. There's a little part where Matthew tells us what happened on Saturday, and then he shifts into Sunday. And here's what Matthew looks at, and I want you to notice this. He looks at the way different groups respond, react to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he's inviting us to consider who will we be? How will we react? Now, as I'm reading, I would love for you all to help me out. There's going to be uh, portions of the text that will be in bold on the screen. And if you would like, I'd love it if you would read that portion with me, okay? So let's get into this together. So we're starting in Matthew chapter 27. The next day, which is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees assembled before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while that deceiver was still alive, he said, after three days I will rise again. So give orders to secure the tomb until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal his body and say to the people, he has been raised from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Hmm. So Pilate said to them, take a guard of soldiers, go and make it as secure as you can. So they went with the soldiers of the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. Now after the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly, there was a severe earthquake. For an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were shaken and became like dead men because they were so afraid of him. But the angel said to the women... 
Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them, saying, Greetings! They came to him, held onto his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me there. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. After they had assembled with the elders and formed a plan, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You are to say, his disciples came at night and stole his body while we were asleep. If this matter is heard before the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story is told among the Jews to this day. So the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came up and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is the wonderful word of the Lord. Lord, in this moment, we're going to be quiet in the face of this story. Would you speak to us about your word? Father, it's still the case that we think in the normal boundaries of human life that starts in the womb and ends with death. Would you change our horizons today? Would you invite us to join your disciples and react with them to this news? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The death of Jesus was shocking. And it also brought many strange events with it. There were earthquakes. There's rumors floating around the priests that the curtain was torn in the temple. There's, there's, uh, there's still chaos and lingering questions about what will the followers of Jesus do? How will they respond? There's, there's all sorts of uncertainty around it. And Matthew starts not by asking us to react to his life, but by asking us to react to his death. How will you react? 
Well, the first reactions happen in the shadows. The first reactions happen with the religious leaders. One commentator I read read says, uh, he always calls them the senior pastors and the priests. And that's helpful to me to read that. And so they gather before Pilate, and, and there's a couple things that, uh, that I think the Gospel of Matthew wants us to notice about what happens there. When they gather, they gather on a surprising day, and they gather in a surprising way. All right, so the surprising day when they gather, Matthew calls it the day after the day of preparation which is a long roundabout way to say this scene happens on the Sabbath, the day of rest for the Jewish people. And, you know, if you you have been following along with Matthew's whole story or look at any of the other Gospels, the primary thing that the religious leaders were bothered about with Jesus was the way he acted on the Sabbath. Again and again, they're frustrated that he's healing someone on the Sabbath. How dare he? And then he's telling the person he heals to do things that qualify in their minds as work. He's he's angry that he lets his disciples pick grain and eat it on the Sabbath. They're, They're angry about the way Jesus treats the Sabbath because for them, that's the big rule. You keep that, you honor God, you keep God happy, you won't get in trouble from heaven. And yet here they are on the Sabbath doing something that they think is maybe even more important than keeping the rules. It's a surprising day that they're there. And they're asking Pilate whether it's Roman soldiers or whether it's the Jewish soldiers who were the guards in the temple. They're asking Pilate to give them permission to put people to work on the Sabbath. I mean, you can't get more obvious in breaking it than that. That's what they want to happen. It's a surprising day. They're willing to mess with their morals for this. It also happens in a surprising way. When they approach Pilate, what we read is they say, Sir, and then they give his request. But that word in the Greek is the word kurie, which is the word for Lord. And in the whole Gospel of Matthew, the word Lord, Kyrie, has only been used for Jesus and for God the Father the whole time until right now when the religious leaders, the senior pastors, are in front of the Roman governor who is not a Jew, does not believe in God, and they're calling him Lord. They are willing to appease the person in power to try to stop this movement that they think is dangerous. There's an old commentator named Matthew Henry, and I just had to share this quote from you. He says it like this. He says, the most malicious slanderers of good men are commonly the most sordid flatterers of great men. They want to keep their position by impressing the guy with all of the power. They want him to do them a favor, and so they flatter him on Saturday. 
The other way that it's surprising is that they, are, they want these things to be secure. In fact, the word secure in five sentences shows up three times. Pilate, please send guards to secure the temple. Pilate says, okay, you can, or to secure the tomb. Pilate says, okay, you can secure the tomb. And then they send the guys and they secure the tomb. Secure, secure, secure. Who wants something to be secured? The insecure. You know, like me. And maybe some of you don't mean to accuse. Before we condemn these guys completely for reacting like this, I wonder if you can think of a time in your life where you have disregarded your most sacredly held values when something you really treasure was threatened. Like your reputation. Like your job. Like your well-being, your safety. Have you ever taken it into your own hands to ensure your own reputation or position were secure instead of trusting in God? It's interesting, the religious leaders on the Sabbath, you know what they should be gathering to do to pray? They could be asking God, God, will you make sure that this liar doesn't get stolen out of his tomb? But no, they go to Pilate. That's the first reaction. The next reaction happens the next day. Notice, Jesus' followers don't do anything on Saturday. It happens at dawn. And the first two people we meet are two of the heroes in the Gospels. Now, Jesus is the hero of the story. We can't confuse that. But search the four Gospels, compare the stories. You see different, you know, each each person, each witness is telling a little bit different uh, perspective on who's there at the cross and who's there at the tomb. But in all of them, Mary Magdalene is there. In all of them. This lady with a questionable past, this woman who loved Jesus, she's, she's going to the tomb. We don't think she expects that Jesus is walking out of it. We think she just loves him. And she's willing to put herself, her safety on the line to be with him, to care for him. She's unconcerned for her own safety, for her own reputation. Friends, I think Matthew is inviting us. What, whatever comes, could we react like the Marys? Mary Magdalene, and as Matthew says, the other Mary which could be one of a few ladies. But the ladies are in for a surprise, aren't they? You see, they go reacting to his death, and they're going to get to react to something else. An earthquake, a bright light, a man sitting on top of the stone in glowing clothes. It's the first people that we see react are the guards. Interestingly, the living men who were standing outside the tomb of the supposedly dead men now look like dead men outside of the tomb of the live man. That was just fun to say. I wanted you guys to. You can say that at brunch later today. It's classic. We get to observe how the Marys react through the angel's words. He says a few key things to them. First thing he says is, do not be afraid. In other words, guys, it's okay. These are fearful things that we're talking about. Don't be, do not be afraid. 
The angel says it, the, the, the Greek makes clear he's saying it to the ladies and not to the guards. As far as he's concerned, they can stay afraid. All right? He's saying it to the ladies. Don't be afraid. And then he says, come and see the place where he was laying. This is permission, friends, to look into these things. We need to hear permission from an angel of heaven that we can investigate these things. What are we here doing? We are here talking about a man who rose from the dead some 2,000 years ago. That's a big thing to talk about. That stretches, like I said in the prayer, our horizons of what's possible. We should look into these things. It's okay to say, what? I need, to, I need to study that a bit more. At the climax of the astonishing biblical story, we get permission for it to be uncomfortable and strange and mysterious. It's not a myth. We can look into it. Come and see. Friends, in my own life, and I'm a pastor on Easter Sunday saying this, there have been plenty of times where a question that someone has brought, something that's happening, makes me feel waves of doubt, makes me think, oh, man, there are parts of this that are, I, oh, I just don't know if I can get my mind and heart around them. And, and right here, the angel is saying to the women, come and see. And friends, every time that happens, every time the darkness of doubt creeps in my mind. I find light at the empty tomb. That's where I find light. That's where I go and I just recite the defenses, the, the, the proofs, the reasons to believe it. And I am overwhelmed again that this story checks out. Now, in Matthew 28, as we bounce between these two groups, I want you to notice something. One of the groups of reactors is hesitant and nervous and needs to be reassured. And the other group is completely certain, totally confident. It turns out that the other group, the confident group, is the religious leaders. They're the ones who are certain this can't be, this is a big problem, we got to clean it up. Matthew flashes back to them in the city. The guards come, and these are the guys who, they remembered Jesus' promise that he would come back to life. They remembered maybe better than the disciples did. They tried to protect it from happening. They remembered, and yet, when the guards come and say, okay, so... Um, an angel showed up, there's light, there's an earthquake, and the tomb was empty, and we didn't see him leave. They're like, okay, um, let's do that here. Can you just keep this quiet? <laughs> like, don't let the word get out. In their certainty, the Pharisees, who have already used their influence and social position to try to crush the Jesus movement, now use the last tool they have, their money. Earlier on in, in Matthew, Jesus said, you can't serve God in money. And here we have a great uh, uh, illustration of it. 
These guys are trying to hold on to the power they have. If Jesus really rose, then they have some egg on their face, which is why we always have eggs at brunch on Easter. Probably not. Probably not. They try to use their, their riches to keep their power. And before we totally villainize them, we might consider what concessions we are willing to make when our money and our position is on the line. The guards apparently take the money and they keep quiet. I wonder how often we find ourselves in a situation where we would be financially at risk if we didn't keep quiet. How will we react to the news? Now for our final scene, we need to take a walk. And I mean a walk, friends. Because Jesus and the angel told the ladies to tell the guys, hey, head to Galilee and I'll see them there. Now we were just in Israel. Galilee is a long ways away from Jerusalem. It would probably take a week, give or take, to walk there. So these two ladies go to the guys who are hiding and terrified. And they say, so um, we met Jesus, and uh, he says to head to Galilee, and he'll see you there. When they met Jesus, by the way, the thing that he says to them is so great. In, in our translation, it said greetings, but, but that's, that's not good enough, all right? The word is kairete. It's the word for, for rejoice. The ladies are hurrying back after the angels told them something, and all of a sudden they hear someone go, Woo! Yeah! <laughs> they turn and like, oh, that's Jesus. All right, so Jesus has told the guys to head to Galilee. They have a long time to talk about this. I mean, think about all that you work through with whoever you're driving with on a 12-hour road trip. I mean, they are working through this thing. And when they get there, they get to the hill that they're supposed to be at, and Jesus shows up to them, and it says, they worshiped, but some doubted. Remember, one of the groups is certain, and another group is unsure. Now, why are they doubting? Well, a man that they saw die is back alive. Or maybe they're thinking, what's he going to say to me? I abandoned him. I left him. What's Peter thinking? Peter's got to be one of the ones doubting. What's he thinking? They worshiped, but some doubted. So what would Jesus do there? Would he rebuke them? Would he say, come on, don't you realize what I've been through for you? No. He doesn't rebuke them. And friends, a follower of Jesus doesn't have to be sure of him or herself. You don't have to be sure of yourself. You don't. In fact, sometimes we get a little too sure of ourselves. But this group, standing with the risen Jesus, worship and doubt together, and he sends them all. The resurrection of Jesus is the great inhale of new life. And what's the exhale? Go and tell. Go and tell. The earthquakes have happened. 
The future has broken into the present. New life is here. He's alive. Death has been defeated. He has authority over all things. So he says, bring people in. Bring people into this news. Make disciples. All nations can be part of this kingdom. All nations. Baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, bind them together into a new family that obeys all of my commands, he says. And because he's alive, he'll be with us all the days. He has all authority. He sends us to all the nations to obey all his commands. And he's alive, so he'll be with us all of the days. And from this moment on, every time his followers will get together to remember what on earth happened. And how do we make sense of this? And they're studying the Hebrew scriptures. What on earth happened? Every time they do that, you know what they do? They eat together. A special meal. Every time, as they think about the risen Jesus, now they get it. His body set us free. His blood set a new covenant, a new family for us. We get to be part of his thing. And that's why even on Easter Sunday, we remember the death of Jesus. What did the angel call him? The angel gave him a new, most glorious title to the ladies. I know who you're looking for. You're looking for the crucified one. Well, he's not here. He's risen. And so we remember back to the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed. And on that night, he took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it. And when he had broken it, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take this and eat all of you in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time we eat this bread or drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim his death even in his life because his death sets us free. His death has earned the way for us to be with him. 